0: That's great. What I'd like you to do, please, is um, can you, first of all, can you just stand up? I know we've, because um, whenever we used to, do, used to sing that song, we always had to point to the north and the south. Can you all just um, look that way, please? And just turn and face that way. And just put your hands on the person's shoulders in front and give a little massage. Because I just think that at times it kind of going from one session to the next to the next. Come on, just, just get those knots out. Come on, work it hard. Come on, you can do it. Come on. Yeah, that's good. Is it feeling a bit better now? That's good. Okay, if you'd like to turn around. Other way, other way. Now, come on. This is revenge. This is revenge or this is a chance to be able to express your thanks for how lovely that had been. Okay, I think that's good enough. Thank you. You're allowed to sit down now. Now, what I'd like you to do, please, is pretend that you're holding a pen and pretend that your other hand is a piece of paper, okay? And can you just scribble your signature just on your hand? Okay? Everyone done that? Great. Well done. Thank you very much. Now, what I'd like to do now is I'd like you to now take the pen in the other hand and use the other piece of paper. And can you just do the same again, please? I've asked you not to do this on paper because we'd have to see it, and it would be awful, wouldn't it? Okay. Uh, but Just when I asked you first one, you went straight into what is natural to you. If you're right-handed, you just went straight to right on your left hand if it's the other way around. As soon as you do the other, you can do it, but it just feels so awkward, doesn't it? It just doesn't feel as if it's you. And That's true in loads and loads of areas of life, because all of us are different. We've all been wired differently. We've all been gifted differently. I mean, why is it that not all of you are up playing on a rotor as part of the band? You know, what would it sound like? Yeah, probably, let's give it a go. That's right. You see, every member ministry, we can all play drums. We can all play. No, we can't, can we? Uh, And so we recognize that some people are good at it, and some people need to be in the congregation. Uh, Don't they? That's a polite way of of saying it. And all of us will have different personality um, traits. Uh, And so I I am uh, an extrovert, and so I gain my energy from being around other people. Uh, Who was I talking to at breakfast? Um, Who was I talking to at breakfast? Yes. And remind me of your name. Elizabeth, Elizabeth, who said straight away, I'm an introvert. (laughs) Uh, I think it was one of the first things she said to me. I'm an introvert. I find talking to people very difficult. (laughs) And uh, No, uh, you didn't, I know. I was exaggerating. No, I was lying, actually, but... um, (laughs) But, but there is just a difference within our, our personalities. There, there are different ways in which um, we like to operate and we like to work. And, and that is just as true when it comes to this idea of sharing our faith. I, I learned this fairly early on uh, when I joined this team called the Salt Mine Trust when I was uh, 19, uh, that we would go into... Um, schools, we would, oh, we we had to do open airs, (laughs) open airs. And I would be there with my guitar singing away uh, to all of these people who didn't want to be listening (laughs) as they were doing their shopping, as I was invading their, I hated it. I absolutely hated it. Every now and again, we would have to do door-to-door work. I hated it. I wondered whether I was a Christian, because I hated it that much, honestly. Uh, but, but what would happen is that churches would, would put on these missions, they would invo- invite Salt Mine to come, and we just had to do whatever they told us to do. And so honestly, one of the worst times was a, 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 a disco. They stopped the disco halfway through so that we could give a little Christian talk. That went well. And honestly, I was dying. I was dying inside. We went to Moss Side and Hume in Manchester, and it was, I know, and there was me singing this song out on the streets, and this lady just came, and she just stood in front of me and stared, and then she just kept hitting the microphone, so, so I was, always oh, stood, right, and there was nothing that I could do. I discovered that street evangelism wasn't my thing. It just wasn't. Honestly, it was mental. I joined, once I left Salt Mine, I joined this organization called Counties. Uh, counties basically support evangelists who work around with different churches uh, in that county. And so, living in Suffolk, I would work with loads of different churches in helping uh, with youth work and kids work and uh, with adult missions too. Uh, and um, in Suffolk, there was one of my relatives, as a distant relative, in fact, most people in Suffolk are my relatives, but um, uh, his name was Victor Jack, and, and Victor Jack um, just has this extraordinary gift um, uh, of being able to talk with people, and uh, I would go along to, they had what's known as report evenings, where every kind of three months, I had to report to those interested of what i had been up to, what, what some of the good news stories, and what people could pray for. And I hated going after Victor, because Victor would stand up, and he'd just say, oh, I was on a train, and I just got chatting to the person next to them, and they had got some questions, and you know, I led them to Jesus, and uh, then I got off the train. And it was like that, and then there would be saying, I did a school assembly, <laughs> and, and I would feel rubbish, because I could not match what Victor did. And, and honestly, nor should I, because Victor is different to me. And he has different gifts to me. And I tell you, it has been an amazing release for me to understand and <laughs> grasp the fact. Uh, otherwise, I just end up feeling guilty and that I'm rubbish. Uh, and that I'm not as good as I should be. Anyone else feel like that sometimes? <laughs> Honestly. The, um, uh, back in, I think it was 95... Uh, we came across a course. It was called the Network Course, and it was to help people uh, to discover spiritual gifts and what they're passionate about. Some of you um, might well have done this. And um, uh, when when I did it, it was so, so helpful. The three areas which they looked at was, what is it that you're passionate about? Because that's the kind of area that you should serve in. And then what gifts has God given you? Because they're the gifts which you should be using in the area that you feel passionate about. And then it talks about your preferences, about whether you're structured or unstructured, whether you're task or people orientated. And I went through this and um, it started off with, you know, what are you passionate about? And honestly, I really struggled because I thought cricket. Cricket. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> And, uh, and so I put down the church and that uh, and because uh, <laughs> you, know, you have to give the right answer, don't you? You know, and uh, and eventually I came back and I said, no, I am going to write it because I am so, so the church and cricket. There we go. That's what I'm passionate about. And uh, and then it came to my spiritual gifts, and um, one of them was teaching, one of them uh, was leadership, and one of them was evangelism and uh, and then it encouraged you to look to see how can you take your passion and use your gift within your passion and do you know what suddenly the light switched on for me because every year i would organise cricket matches and i would always invite all of the blokes who were on the fringe of church to be part of the cricket games and it was my way of trying to have connection with them, to build friendship with them, to be able to talk. I had never seen. It's just something I did. And suddenly it clicked into place that I can like cricket and I can be an evangelist. It was amazing. It was so releasing. And so now um, uh, this last 10 months, we, we operate groups which last for 10 months and then people sign up again and um, it's a way of keep introducing new people into the life of the church. And uh, this year I've done a 10-month group called Tuesday Night Football, I have, and uh, it's only open to men and uh, basically uh, they'll come round to my house and we watch Tuesday Night Football, whether it's um, uh, the Champions League, whether it's Premiership, if, if there's no football on we have to go for a curry, it's really tough. And we have no—we don't source sit around and pray beforehand for whichever team to win, um, and um, uh, we don't do uh, Bible studies on victory or anything like that. Uh, basically, they just come round because none of these guys would, would be part of a small group. They would just say, "Not for me, thank you." But they come round, and so I've had chance to pray with these guys. I've had chance to listen to their stories. It has been extraordinary. And do you know what? I have never not looked forward to a Tuesday evening. I have got zero preparation. I'm watching football with a bunch of guys who also like football. And somehow, God uses that. So I've walked with a guy whose wife is uh, an alcoholic, and um, he would have drifted off, desperately would have drifted off, and he stuck with the group. Uh, Another guy who got cancer, uh, and we walked through, as he went through his uh, chemotherapy uh, and stuff, and uh, if anyone had a cold, they would stay away so that he could still be part of the group. Uh, It was remarkable remarkable because I can take something that I'm passionate about and bring a gift that God has given and bring those two things together I'll tell you it's great and it's really really easy really really easy so I love building relationships with people and it's out of relationship that I can then um, have the opportunity to share my faith and to invite people and so for me Back in 1996, I went on uh, a retreat, a guy called J. John. Some of you will uh, have heard of J. John the Evangelist. He, um, uh, he was inviting young evangelists uh, to this conference, and I don't know how I got involved in that. I don't know how he picked um, S- uh, Sarah and I, but we were invited to go, and um, there was Matt Redmond there, there was Steve Chalk, there was um, uh, Roy Crown, who was heading up YFC, and Nicky Gumbel, um, Mike Pilovacci and Steve Fenning. <laughs> it was ridiculous. It was utterly ridiculous. But it was there that Nicky Gumble talked about Alpha, and so I went straight home and we bought the video cassettes. If you remember, do you remember video cassettes? <laughs> All my life. And um, the talks were about 40 minutes. They were really quite long, uh, and um, and so we started doing Alpha, and for me, I found my sweet spot. I really did. I loved it. To build relationship over a period of 10 weeks where there is some content that I don't even have to give. And so when people say, I don't believe in that, I'm not offended. Nicky Gumbel can be, but he's on video, so he doesn't mind, you know. And and we could start having those conversations. And we just saw more and more people came to faith. Uh, And uh, it was just so easy after five weeks. Where are you at with regards to this journey? How are you doing? And just asking those questions, uh, and it built my confidence. And what's really interesting, I sometimes go to churches, and uh, they say, "Now, so and so is here. We don't really know where they're at, but but um, you know, just keep them in mind, won't you?" So I just say, "Why don't you ask them?" (laughs) Where we honestly is such a simple question. I haven't had one person who's been offended. They've said, I'm "I'm no further forward," or "I'm not really that interested." I've had all of those answers but just ask. And it's been so easy. So Alpha has been uh, amazing for me. But I recognize um, also that um, for some of you, you might be sitting here thinking, well, Fenning, that's fine for you because God's given you uh, the gift of evangelism. He hasn't given that one to me. So, so what about me? You, you make it sound easy. Uh, and, and I get that and I understand that And it's not, well, football evenings are, but evangelism isn't just easy for me. But uh, but I do think that it's a gift. Uh, But somehow, God God doesn't let you off the hook. I'm really, really sorry, but he doesn't let you off the hook. You see, because there is this difference, I'm sorry, I'm just going to have to um, bring this up again. Here we go. You see, there's a difference between a gift and a discipline. And a gift is the gift of evangelism, so you will have evangelists. A gift is intercession, and so you will have intercessors, people who can pray, who get discernment from God to pray specifically into situations. You can have the gift of teaching where people can explain truths about God and explain the Bible in amazing ways. Uh, you can have the gift of giving. I talked to someone the other day who, who it's just so easy for him to make money. It is just weird, but he is. And he met up to say, so how can we do differently? How can I do differently so that the money that I'm able to earn would be best put to best use? It's incredible. And they're all gifts. And some of you will have those gifts. But there is a discipline that God calls for every single one of us. And so we might not be evangelists, but he calls us all to be witnesses. He says, you will be my witnesses. So everyone, whether we speak or not, we are witnessing something of Jesus, or not, through our lifestyle. We might not all be intercessors, but we can pray, and we need to pray. It's our conversation with God. We might not be able to teach, but we can study, because God's is so important to get to know. And that we might not have the gift of giving, but God calls every single one of us to be generous. It's to be looking at our finances and to be able to say, this is what God has given. How can I best use this for his glory? Uh, and uh, I'm able to say this as a person who's not part of your church. Honestly, give a good percentage of what you get into the life of the church, because what you are doing is releasing the potential of this church to be able to do so much more. And Mark can get a pay rise. I think that's what, that's what you said. wasn't? No, it wasn't. Sorry. No, no. He didn't say that. He didn't. I lied again. I'm sorry. I lied again. So there is a difference between those two. But as I said, Jesus said, you will be my witnesses. Peter, um, uh, as he was writing uh, to a bunch of Christians, he says, be prepared to give an answer uh, for the hope that you have. And if we're all to be witnesses, if we're all to be prepared, as those verses say, learning to go with the grain of who you are and how God has designed you is such an important part of understanding our evangelism process. And I've discovered that God uses our personalities. He uses our strengths to shape how we reach people and share faith with them. Do you know what? We are the body of Christ. You are not the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. You're not the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ, which means that where I lack in some areas, you make up in others, which is why it doesn't all depend on you. And it doesn't all depend on you or you. It depends on us in being the body of Christ to reflect who Jesus is. And each one of us will be able to bring an angle to that. It's not a one-size-fits-all. And I've discovered um, that the Bible kind of highlights different approaches uh, that people have. And it relates to people's personalities. I want to highlight six to you uh, this morning. There they are the evangelism styles. Confrontational. Oh, that sounds nasty, doesn't it? It does. It does. You know, we have people in our church who are incredibly bold when it comes to sharing faith. They are happy to talk to strangers. They can be incredibly direct in conversations and, um, and very directive in conversations. <laughs> are you putting your hand up? <laughs> okay, that's great. I'll avoid you later. No, I won't. No, Not really. Not really. Not really. <laughs> Honestly, at times when I've been with these people, I have just winced. Uh, um, But do you know what? So often it's been the right approach for the person to take the next step forward. And and confrontational um, evangelists or or, or taking that approach, I tell you, it makes me nervous, but I am so jealous of their bravery. I'm so jealous of your direct approach then. I am, because I wish I could do that too. The example that you'll find in the Bible is Peter, the Apostle Peter. If you don't believe me, just go to Acts chapter two. He stood in front of thousands of people, and he didn't compromise his message to the people who had killed Jesus 40 days earlier. This is what he says. He says, "So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God who has made this, uh, sorry, that, that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified to be both Lord and Messiah. I know, that's what he was saying. You lot, you did it. A man called Andy Stanley summed it up. And says, this, this is the message that Peter took. You killed him, God raised him, say you're sorry. There you go, that's what he was saying. You killed him, God raised him, now say you're sorry. And that became the message that was taken out all around uh, the world. You killed him. God raised him. Say you're sorry. And so these people are normally quite confident. They're quite assertive. They could be quite direct. If um, uh, you will have found out, because you put your hand out. What's your name, please? Emma. Emma, Emma thank you. Um, there are such strengths with this. There are also cautions with it, uh, because sometimes to be too blunt can then push people away. And so we have to work within who we are, uh, and just to recognize, to be careful at times. But I tell you, you go for it. You go for it, Emmett. That is wonderful. So that's the first one. So one person recognizes themselves in that. We'll go, go through to the next one. So here we go. They're all up there, aren't they? Intellectual. When I joined Saltmine, uh, I was 19. I'd grown up in a Christian family. I had never had to question my faith at all. Um, I, I'd grown up to believe the Bible. If the Bible said it, I believed it, and uh, away we go. And so I could never understand where people um, who, who called themselves Christians didn't always follow the Bible. It was just blatantly obvious to me. And, uh, and I'd never questioned why on things. And so when we went into schools, we would do a little presentation, and then it would, we'd always leave the last kind of... Quarter to half an hour open for questions. Oh my life! Have I ever been um, uh, shocked, scared, uh, whatever, in standing in front of six form classes and hearing their questions? Honestly, they had thought of things I n- they would never even dawned on me. So Adam and Eve had um, uh, had children, yeah, okay, and then they they had children, yeah. That's incest, isn't it? Is it? Oh no! <laughs> um, um, yeah. um, uh, honestly, uh, and uh, I was so pleased that I was part of a team because <laughs> as I was going um um, someone would just step up and say, "It's an interesting question," and, and they would then and then talk, and then the next question would come up, and I was thinking, "I've never thought of that one either." Have I still got a faith? Are they right? And honestly, it was a really worrying time. But being able to work with people who had one, heard the questions, but secondly, could think things through in such a logical and such a clever way, it it was brilliant. I learned so much from those people. So much from those people. Just of how they handled questions and how they were able to logically argue things through. Paul. The Apostle Paul was brilliant at this. He went to um, the city of Athens. It's Acts chapter 17, and he was talking within the synagogues, and, and people were listening to him and saying, this is new stuff. We want you to tell this new stuff. So he went out into the square, and he started with the um, the statue of the unknown God, uh, and there he is able to explain in such an intellectual way, because the... the um, Athenians thought they were so clever. They would just run after every new idea. Uh, and they, yeah, they were so proud of their intellect. And here was Paul, able to argue with them and debate with them. He was so good because it was his style. It was his personality. He was so passionate about it. So are you an intellectual uh, with regards to wanting to share your faith, of it making sense and being able to argue the case... Normally, that person loves debate, is inquisitive. The caution, if that's you, is you just mustn't be argumentative for argumentative sake. You still need to listen to what other people uh, are saying. The next one is testimonial. It's story. I love stories. I attended a wedding last year and was um, talking with a guest who asked me what I did for a living. And uh, so I said that I was uh, leading a church called The Forge. And then they asked this. They said, "How's it going?" Well, how on earth do you answer, how is it going, okay? It's going great rubbish, great rubbish, you know, painful, brilliant, you know, I mean, it's it's all of those things. And so I, yeah, so we just got talking, and I found myself starting to tell stories of people who had come to faith or people whose lives are being changed. And as I talked, I felt this growing passion within me. And it made me realize this, is that I need stories. I need stories of life change that are current, that are happening in and around the church. I need to know that that's happening. I need to know that God's at work. And so for me, stories are so important. And I'm happy to share my story with anyone. We had a lady in a nearby cafe, um, she was, um, she'd left the cafe, she was driving home, and um, she didn't see a bus coming, and the bus rammed into her and killed her outright. And uh, it was utterly shocking within our community. And um, I was able to talk with her husband, who's trying to run the cafe now. Uh, And, of course, I can use my story. I I can say I know what it's like to lose a wife so many years too soon. I know what it's like to be left with kids. Uh, And so I just said, now is not the time to talk, because he was serving people. And I said, but if you ever want to talk, we can meet up and talk because I can share my story. You've got a story. Your story might not be going back to when I became a Christian when I was a child. That part of the story is so important, but that might not be the part of the story that's relevant. That I suffered from anxiety and I had to give up work for a period of time and I'm still working my way through is a powerful story. I had to face a divorce. It was awful. It's not something that I would have ever chosen. And how many people will that relate to? (laughs) Just tons. So we can use our stories. And stories might be the way, the best way for us to be able to share something of what God has done in our lives. There was a blind man that Jesus healed. And he'd been blind from birth in John chapter 9. And they just could not work out how it had happened The Pharisees just did not want it to be Jesus who had done it. And the man was brilliant, and he just said this. He says, all I know, I used to be blind, but now I can see. That's his story. He says, you can argue about it for as much as you want, but I know this, I was blind, and now I can see. Use your story if story is your best method. Then there's this version called interpersonal or relational. And that's where Alpha for me has just been so important in order to create an environment for people to talk and to listen and to uh, open up. You know, one of the heroes, I think, of the disciples was Matthew or Levi. That he was a tax collector, so he was hated by the Jews, uh, that he would have bought that role from the Romans, and so therefore he could make up whatever money he wanted. Um, uh, from uh, his fellow Jews, which is why he was hated. He was the traitor. He, w- he was the one working for the Nazis. He was the Jew working for the Nazis, honestly. And um, Jesus says, Come follow me. And uh, he becomes one of the 12 disciples. And do you know what? What's the first thing that he does after following Jesus? He throws a party. That's what he does. He throws a party, and who does he invite? He invites. All of his mates that would be, have a disre, um, disreputable um, kind of character, they were the other tax collectors and the notorious sinners. And he has this party, and he invites Jesus to come along too as the guest of honor. I want to speak just a little bit more about that in a few moments' time. But he just said, come on, mates, come and meet him. Come and meet him. And for some of you here, the best way that you can um, uh, be part of the body of Christ and, uh, and play your part is to say to a friend, why don't you come along? Why don't you do Alpha or Christianity Explored or whatever are the courses that you run here? Why don't you come on a Sunday? Why don't you come to our small group social? What? Just do the invitation. Others with other gifts can pick up on those opportunities too. The final one is serving, that's invitational, Um, uh, and the final one is serving. Oh no, invitational, sorry. I've got a little bit muddled here. The person who I think shows brilliantly the invitation is both Matthew, but it's also the woman at the well. The woman at the well. Invitational is key for our church. Our model of church is based around this. People inviting their friends. So we promote it. Do you know what? We survey the church every month to see who's been inviting. We do. Every month. We send, there's a text that goes out. It's part of our spiritual health um, survey that we do every month, and it's built around intimacy with God. So we ask people, have you prayed in the last 24 hours? Have you uh, read your Bible in the last 24 hours? Um, uh, uh, have you confessed sin in the last 24 hours? And people, it's just it takes less than a minute to complete this. And every time we say, have you invited someone uh, to either to a church event or to watch online? Uh, And you can put the number of people that you invite or to what kind of events. And that way we know we're starting to gather information. Uh, We don't know who's doing the inviting because it's all anonymous. Uh, But we start to get to know what do we need to do? What do we need to change? If people are not doing it, where do we need to be putting in energy? And so we're trying to measure um, those things because for us it is so important. And the invitation, the woman at the well, was remarkable because she met Jesus. Uh, and she, what does she do? She goes back to her town uh, and she says, come and meet the man who knows everything about me. And all of these people flocked to meet Jesus. And the whole town was turned around by Jesus. Why? Because this lady wouldn't stay quiet and says, you come and see, you come and see. The last one is serving. Um, as a church church, We this last year we desperately wanted to be more involved in our communities. We are not in the position that you are, which is having a building. So we have to hire um, our buildings, and so we hire schools and a um, and a a leisure centre. And it means that during the week we have no presence in those places. So people could turn up at Debenham and say, "Where's the forge?" Well, it's not here because they only meet in the community center on Sundays or in small groups in the, in, the, in the village. And so we felt we had to make an impact. And so we um, uh, picked up on this thing called hashtag for Debenham or hashtag for Thurston. And we contacted lots of the local agencies and um, uh, individuals within those communities and say, on this day, we're going to have volunteers. We will do whatever is helpful for this community. And so we went into the local primary school, into the high school, into the High Suffolk Children's Center. Uh, we went to people's gardens. And so there are, uh, at about 80 or 90 people right across the ages going in and doing these practical jobs. Uh, and we had these orange t-shirts, which just had hashtag for um, Debenham uh, or for Thurston, for I. And uh, basically, uh, as we talked with people, we just said, look, everyone seems to think that they know what the church is against, but we just want you to know that we are for this community. So if there's anything we can do to help, we will do everything we can to meet that need. Uh, And so we have these four days, and it's part of our our reach. Uh, We we had a phrase which says that we wanted to be known, involved, and helpful. It was those three things, and so we tried to measure as best we could the number of people who are involved. And and serving is, is a great way of demonstrating Christ's love for the community. An example of this is a lady called Tabitha or Dorcas that you find in uh, Acts chapter 9. She made clothes. She, she just served people. She made clothes for the widows uh, and the orphans in the town. She was making such an impact that when she died, Paul raised her back to life again because they still needed her. Do you know what I mean? It's quite remarkable. It's, it's a very strange story that you find um, in Acts chapter 9. But, but she demonstrated God's love through serving. And that serving would have given opportunities to speak about the love of God. What I've got here um, for anyone who is interested, I've got enough probably for, for everyone if you want to take one. Um, you might just look down that list and go, Well, I know which one I am, or which two or three I am, I know which one I'm not. Uh, You might have a look down there. But I've got a whole load of questions here, which you can just fill in, which will help to give an indication towards that. So feel free. um, uh, You can either pass them or I'll just leave them down there. Come and help yourselves to them. Um, uh, We found it really helpful as we went through that um, as a church. Now, I think it's great to know your evangelistic preferences. But it's more important to use them than to know them. I discovered that as we went through some of this with our church, people were so happy to say that I'm invitational, but they didn't invite anyone. So to know is good, to do is much better. Yeah, so to go with the grain, but don't bottle out on this. Look, um, we've got, I think it's quarter of an hour till the end. I I want to finish just with um, three thoughts And these are three random thoughts. I just didn't know where to put them in my talk. And so I just thought, well, I'll just put them all at the end. uh, And hopefully one of them might, might help to make sense. Thought number one is this. Something that was so amazing about Jesus that we nearly always miss is this. People who were nothing like Jesus liked Jesus and Jesus liked them back true. People who were nothing like. This is so unusual, because we are usually attracted to people who are like us. I have a best friend. His name is Steve Miles, so it's two Steves, and um, we have so much in common. He is a year younger than me. He grew up on a farm, I grew up on a farm, we went to the same school together, we played in the same sports teams together because he was better than um, uh, people in his year, so he used to play for the older year, and uh, we got married within a year of each other, Uh, we both had children around the same time, we both worked for our church for a period of time, he was an Ipswich Town supporter too, Um, uh, he loved sport just as I loved sport. And it honestly is unsurprising that we are best mates. Uh, and we've been so since about the age of 13. Um, and the reason is we like people like us, don't we? We just do. For Jesus, this, this is just oh, so weird and so brilliant. That people who were nothing like Jesus, like Jesus and he liked them back. Do you realize that the people who were most comfortable in the temple were the people who were most uncomfortable around Jesus? And the people who were not welcomed in the temple... You know, the temple was the way in which people would be able to connect with God. The people who were not welcome in the temple were the ones who were most comfortable with Jesus. So wherever Jesus went, crowds followed him because they loved being with him. So when Matthew has a party, I would feel so awkward within that environment with a bunch of people whose lifestyles were so different to mine. And yet there is Jesus talking quite freely and happily and people loving to spend time with him. You know, I would think, well, I'm going to have to compromise something just to be able to be. Jesus didn't compromise anything. He never changed who he was. And yet there was something so attractive that people were drawn to him. For me, this is a massive challenge because who is the church? The church is what? The body of Christ. So what is true of Jesus should be true of us together. In other words, people who are nothing like us should like us and we should like them back. And that's really hard. Because do people who don't believe what we believe, do people who live a lifestyle so contrary to the lifestyle that we would believe is the best way, do they really like us? And actually, do we really like them back? Or do they keep their distance because we say, oh, you really shouldn't be living like that. You really should be believing what we believe. People who are nothing like Jesus, like Jesus, and he liked them back. What as a church, who as a church, can you be that when people talk about Norwich Central Baptist Church, their face lights up because they're a good bunch of people to be with. I don't believe them. I don't believe what they believe. I don't follow what they say they're a great bunch of people to be with. Because people who are nothing like Jesus, like Jesus. And Jesus, light them back. Will you welcome them? Will you welcome them? That's thought number one. I didn't know where it fitted, so I just thought I would say that. Okay. Thought number two is this. When it comes to sharing faith, we can get really caught up on it. Have I done it well enough? You know, should I be doing it more? All of those things. Let me just... It's actually just all about Jesus. Pete Gregg, who's the, um, uh, he founded, I think, the 24-7 Prayer, um, a brilliant communicator. This was on Twitter two days ago, and so I just thought, oh, I might as well share it. He said this. He says, can I be honest with you? I'm actually not that into prayer. It's just Jesus I'm, I'm into, so we talk. I don't believe in the power of prayer, I believe in the power of God, so I ask for his help a lot. I'm not into evangelism. I hate evangelism. I'm into Jesus, so I talk to people about him. (laughs) Isn't that brilliant? I'm not into social justice. I'm into Jesus, so I find myself picking fights with his enemies. I'm not into worship, all those soft rock songs over and over again. I'm into Jesus. So, when I see him, I smile, I bow, and yes, okay, I admit that I sing quite a bit too. I'm not even into church. Have you seen the state of it? But I'm into Jesus, and so I like his people. They're a little weird, but hey, so am I. The vision is Jesus, not Christianity. Not rules and religious observance. Not prayer, mission and justice. Not church planting, miracles or mission. If you love Jesus, I guess you'll do all that stuff. You'll pray and worship and go to church and preach the gospel. But in doing all of those things, in pursuing all of those things, too often we lose Jesus. In all the clutter of Christianity, we bury Christ. Some of us need to stop being Christians for a bit. We're just too good at it. It's become habitual. Jesus was so uninterested in starting a religion that he never thought of a name for his way of life. He never started a Bible school. He never wrote a book. He avoided the rich and famous and barely stuck around long enough to secure succession. The way of Jesus is viral, not structural. Relational, not religious. Revolutionary, not predictable. I loved that when I read that. Because actually it's not about faith sharing, it's just about Jesus. And if you love him, you're going to talk about him. I just love that. Does that make it feel lighter? <laughs> Makes it feel a lot easier, doesn't it? The last thing, the last one, this i finished with. We are in the life-saving business. In um, uh, a book that John Ortberg uh, wrote, he's another American pastor, a brilliant, brilliant writer. He wrote about in Massachusetts the uh, Museum of Life Saving. And he said this that in the past, travel at sea was so dangerous due to the rocky coastline and due to the heavy storms that many lives were lost in the mile, um, just within a mile of the land. And so a bunch of volunteers went into the life saving business and they banded together uh, and they made up what's known as the Massachusetts Humane Society. And what they did was they built little huts with boats and equipment all along the beach. And these huts were known as huts of refuge. And volunteers would be there looking out for any ship which was in distress, anyone who needed to be saved. And so they would send up a a, a flare signal, and they would devote everything they could to save the life of everyone they could. And it wasn't done for money because they were volunteers, it wasn't done for recognition, They did it in addition to their jobs. And they did it because there is something incalculably valuable about human life. And they had a motto, this uh, Massachusetts uh, Humane Society. The motto was this, you have to go out, but you don't have to come back. That was their phrase. You have to go out, but you don't have to come back. And John Ortberg writes and says this, that over time, the U.S. Coast Guards took over this task. And to begin with, they worked side by side with the volunteers, and then basically the professionals took over, and they stopped manning the huts, and they stopped scanning the seas. And the life-saving society, this is what's really interesting, the life-saving societies still meet today. They do, they just don't do life-saving anymore. They have dinners. I loved that story because this happens all the time, not in a day, not in a year, but over time, any church, your church, my church, any church can forget that we're in the life-saving business. And we don't disband, well, not to start with, so we still meet and we have fellowship and we have dinners together and we have services and we have programs, but we don't scour the neighborhoods to see if there are people who need saving. And these churches can forget that Jesus put his rescue effort into the hands of volunteers. And that is unbelievably sad. And in time, of course, churches do die off because they are no longer in the life-saving business. So whether or not we stay in the life-saving business is actually in the hands of us. It is. It's in the hands of us. So as I finish, I just want to ask the question, who will you commit to pray for? Because I think prayer does play a really important part in this process. I have um, on my phone, um, I've got a little smartphone here. I've got uh, You're not going to be able to see it, but I've got a little app, and it's called In A Room. And uh, clicking onto uh, that app, uh, there is what's known as Quick Pray. And you can pray for your family, you can pray for yourself, and you can pray for your church. And it has a timer on it. And it runs for three minutes, and then you can go on to the next. And it comes up with the next topics that you've put in about what to pray. And what's amazing is whenever you stop it, it congratulates you. Do you know No one's ever congratulated me for praying. And so it's wonderful. It says, well done. You've prayed for six seconds. You know, I mean, great. It's good, isn't it? Uh, and there's also a, prayer f- a pray for. And it encourages you to pray for three friends. And so you can set, that, it sets an alarm, so at half past eight in the morning, the alarm goes off with this, and it'll come up, um, are you ready to pray? Uh, and uh, you can click, and I can click onto my three friends, and I can pray for those people. Anything to help me, anything to remind me, that actually, This is not just about me. This is a partnership. This is what God is going to do, but God wants to work through me. So I want to be ready for that, which is why the prayer that we prayed earlier, I think, is so important. So you can download that. and You can pray. You can build friendships. You can share your life with people. You can model faith. You can invite to Alpha. You can invite to church events. Or you can do none of those. And you can meet up for meals and have fellowship times, and have services, and stop being in the life-saving business. I want to show you uh, um, a year and a half, it's uh, coming up to two years ago, we just had an extraordinary month at The Forge. In all of our locations, suddenly people were asking to be baptized. And um, it was, has to be one of the most exciting months um, uh, of my life. And uh, I was able to, to witness. And so what I'd just like to do, if it's okay with you, is I just want to show you the highlights of that amazing month. I can't help but smile when I watch that. It lifts me every single time. Every single time. Because that's the joy of when we're willing to share. God does his part. We do our part. And you can have exciting months like that. Yeah? Great. Let me just put up. Can I ask that we stand again, please? So I want to ask that we speak this prayer out as we finish um, this session. Uh, and you've had a chance to read it through in the last session. Uh, you might not be in the place to be able to say this yet. Honestly, that is fine. Don't say it if you don't mean it. Um, but if you do feel that actually this is, this is my step of faith here on a Saturday morning that I'm going to take to say to God that, God, I'm willing for you to use me. I want to see baptisms like that, and I want to be part of their stories. Uh, Then if so, then why don't we just say this prayer together now? My life is in your hands, God. Use me to point someone towards you today. I promise to cooperate in any way I can. If you want me to say a word for you today, I'll do that. If you want me to stay quiet but demonstrate love and servanthood by your Spirit's power, I will. I am fully available for you today, so guide me by your Spirit. Amen.